Hello, and welcome back to Better Health Now. I'm your host, Rob Brown. I hope that you're checking back in again for your weekly bit of wisdom. I also hope that you've been sharing this information with some of your friends. If you found the information to be helpful, useful, safe, and effective, subscribe to get your weekly update so that you can see every time I put on a new podcast and hit you up with some new information. If this is your first time here, let me just try to give you an idea about what it is that I do. On a weekly basis, I try to give you information about your health, all kinds of things related to your health to help you take the next step toward better health. I don't care what way you're using to listen in, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Google Play. If you like it, give me some kind of response. If you'd like to touch base with me and give me some questions, you can hit me in my email. It's robbrown421 at gmail.com. Love to hear what you have to say. I'm open to taking suggestions on things you'd like to hear me talk about next. I don't have an agenda. I don't have a product. I don't have a program. I'm not selling anything. The information that you get from me is 30 years of practice in the field of chiropractic. It's the information that's available out there on Google. It's the information that's available out there in the medical journals and the scientific research journals. That's all that I, I give to you. I do the research and try to pass it on to you. All right, let's get going. Today, I want to talk about something that's kind of near and dear to my heart, breakfast. You know breakfast, right? We all do. It's that wake up in the morning or feed the kids before they go out the door to school or grab a cup of coffee and a donut, maybe a bagel with some cream cheese or my favorite, that weekend brunch where it's just eggs and bacon and waffles and fruit, all those delicious things. I hope I'm making you hungry. Um, whatever you decide to eat for breakfast, uh, it's the most important meal of the day, isn't it? That's what we've been told. What should be included in your breakfast? Is it something that everybody needs to eat? Why do we even bother with it? That's what we're going to tackle today. I have a couple of easy answers for you. The first one is there is no real clear agreement among the scientific experts about breakfast. Breakfast makers, now those folks, the people that make the cereals and the yogurts and the pancakes and the waffles, they'll tell you, of course, it's the most important meal of the day. Our schools will tell you it's a very important meal of the day as now most of our schools have breakfast available. They feel that students learn better. That's the information that, that they put out. Insurance companies, they like the idea that healthy breakfasts are a great thing, but they are even more anxious to get the ideas that come along with breakfast, not just breakfast. And if you're saying, what in the world does that mean? People who are interested in becoming healthier, the year comes around, the new year comes around, and they start with, with some resolutions. They get some health information that's maybe not the best. They decide they're going to take some steps. They talk to some people. One of the things everybody talks to them about is the importance of eating breakfast. It's only a part of the process, but the people who begin getting that information start to become more aware of what they're going to eat first thing in the morning for breakfast. They begin to take a little bit more control. They get, begin to be a little bit more deliberate about what their day is going to look like at least from what they're putting into their body. And if people are talking about weight loss, breakfast plays a huge role because they want you doing the same kinds of things. So if you're interested in becoming healthier, I'm sure you've heard people talk about breakfast. They want you to start acting healthier. But is it the breakfast that really makes a difference or is it all those other ideas that go along with it? Now this is really a tough topic and it's tough for lots of reasons and I'm gonna to try to attack some of those for you. Number one, what in the world is breakfast? 
Now, if you work a nine to five job, your idea of breakfast is probably the typical idea of breakfast. It's what we eat in the morning before we go to work. Well, the problem with that is what about somebody who works 11 to seven? Somebody who works from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. or 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. wakes up at 7 a.m. They don't wake up. They're finishing their job. Do they come home and go to sleep? Or do they eat breakfast because it's the morning meal? Most people want to define breakfast as breaking your fast. The fast after having slept for however long you sleep. If you've had a seven hour sleep, then you haven't had anything in your system. You haven't had any food in there for the past seven hours. The meal eaten within two hours after waking and breaking that fast is breakfast. It's not a real clear thing. Uh, and it's also gonna mean something different if we talk about someone who eats dinner at six o'clock at night and breakfast at six o'clock the next morning, that's a 12 hour fast. For someone who's a late eater who might not eat dinner till 11 o'clock at night and gets up at six o'clock in the morning, it's only a seven hour fast. So the issues for those folks are very, very different from the folks who have six hours. Trying to do research on breakfast is a lot like trying to do research on the color blue. And trying to do compare the research that's been done out there is like comparing the color blue to water or comparing water to calculus or comparing calculus to a noise. It's just really, really difficult and almost impossible because of trying to make the comparisons. What do we think we know about breakfast? Well, breakfast is supposed to help you lose weight. It's supposed to make you learn better if you're a school student. It's supposed to make you concentrate better if you're, and therefore be more productive at work. It's supposed to increase your metabolism and get your body fired up for the day. It's supposed to help you stabilize your blood glucose levels. All these things are really important and that's why they all sound so good and that's why they say them all if you're gonna to try to lose weight or try to get healthy. But let's look at some things. The Mayo Clinic says that the adults who report regularly eating a healthy breakfast are more likely to eat more vitamins and minerals, control their weight, they eat less fat and cholesterol. Both of those two have the similarity in that they are both concerned with eating better. It doesn't have to do with breakfast, it's just a matter of eating better. They also go on to say that people control their blood sugar levels better, which is very important for people who are diabetics. And this is probably the most uh, scientifically researched proven point. Uh, and the Mayo Clinic says adults perform better at work. Children who regularly eat a healthy breakfast are more likely to meet their daily nutrient requirements and be at a healthy body weight, which also has to do with just eating better. They supposedly have better concentration and are more alert. They miss fewer days of school. Those are the things that the schools say and the government say, but there's no real proof to back any of those things up. Most of those have to do with kids just eating better. And a lot of that can unfortunately boil down to social or economic issues. If people don't take the time to feed their kids breakfast, there's a chance that they aren't as concerned with the foods that they feed them the rest of the day. If people can't afford to feed their kids breakfast, if they've got economic issues, then they may not be feeding their children as well and nutritiously throughout the course of the day as well. Those issues that the Mayo Clinic puts out there really have to do with less scientific stuff and more a whole bunch of other factors. Insurance companies take an issue also with trying to get people to eat breakfast. In uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, there's the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, UPMC. They tell you that the, the benefits of eating breakfast is that it encourages healthier eating. It balances blood sugar. It kickstarts your metabolism. It boosts your energy levels. It promotes heart health and it stimulates the brain. Most of those things have to do with just having better food choices. And the only ones that can be proven is that one. 
So eating, does eating breakfast really give you an edge? It certainly helps stabilize your blood glucose levels. And for folks who have blood sugar problems, that is more than enough reason to talk about eating breakfast. There's a study in a journal out there called Gastroenterology and Hepatology from Bed to Bench, came out in 2011. This study demonstrated that lower levels of glycemic load and higher portions of protein intake at breakfast were associated with higher levels of energy, possibly by controlling blood glucose levels. Some of you heard glycemic load in there, and some of you know what that means, and some of you don't. Glycemic load, or glycemic index, is how much a certain food that we eat will raise a person's blood glucose level after eating. Blood glucose, or blood sugar, is something that is a huge concern for people with diabetes. Blood sugar is regulated in our bodies by a chemical, by a hormone called insulin that is produced in the pancreas. Type 2 diabetes is the failure or the inability of our body to regulate our sugar levels, mostly because our body cannot make adequate and appropriate amounts of insulin. And there's an uncertainty whether that's because the pancreas just can't do the job or whether the pancreas has been overworked beyond its ability to continue doing that. That's that's a whole, whole bunch of information there that starts to lead us toward a, di- a discussion of diabetes. And I really don't want to try to do that because that's a completely different topic. I want to stay and talk about breakfast. How do we put all this information together? What does it all mean? The most important thing is what I've been trying to do with this podcast, getting people more aware, getting people more information. If you get the information, that will cause you to, or at least give you a chance to be more deliberate about your food choices, about your food habits. If you decide after getting some information like this that you're going to put a good meal, and let's say breakfast for today's discussion, if you put that breakfast good meal into the waking time slot, then you've started your day deliberately with a conscious effort to be healthier. Uh, That will lead to more healthy choices throughout the rest of the day. That doesn't mean they're all going to be perfect, and they don't have to be. But if you don't start with deliberate, if you don't start with healthy, if you don't start with conscious, you're kind of at the whim of your schedule, or as you're driving down the road, you see a billboard that makes you turn into a fast food or convenience store. You get to make the choices, you get to make the decisions, and you have a very good chance then to make choices throughout the course of the day that allow you to choose lower fat foods, lower cholesterol foods, more nutritious, more balanced meals and snacks. You have more control of your health if you start off the day that way. Now, there's something else that we have to talk about for breakfast, and that is high fiber. If a high fiber is a part of your diet, this will go a long way toward helping you keep that blood sugar level down and more regulated as your day unfolds. Breakfast skipping was significantly associated with higher A1C levels. That's from Chronobiology mag, uh, Journal in 2014. H1, A1C levels are the measure of how likely people are to be moving toward a state of, state of diabetes. They, we measure blood sugar in people, and we've done that for years and years and years. They began measuring A1C levels as a predictor and as an accompanier to looking at uh, blood sugar levels. With folks that have sh- diabetes, they want to keep these both controlled. So if you're skipping breakfast and that's causing a higher A1C level, then you are not controlling your blood sugar and your diabetes as well. There's other claims out there about what breakfast does for us. Well, it helps you lose weight. It, it, it gives you better concentration. It kickstarts your metabolism. All those things sound good, and they're, they're very important claims to make if you are selling a weight loss program. 
if you're a school trying to get funding to get feed kids breakfast, you say that kids learn better. And I don't think that there's bad motives behind any of these, but people do have ulterior motives. Most of the real value of getting breakfast seems to be beginning the day with a healthy start and regulating your blood sugar levels. Those will help with concentration and focus as well, especially if you have diabetic problems. There's a, an unfortunate link that should not be made between people that skip breakfast and those who eat late at night. They're called late eaters. The data out there is pretty solid and it's pretty ugly for late eaters. Those folks who eat late at night have a large number of health problems. They have extra weight that they carry, they've got cholesterol issues, they've got gas, uh, acid reflux. They've just got a lot of problems that they, that they are subject to because of that habit of eating late at night. Many people, when they wanna do research, and this is a problem with research, is they wanna lump late eaters and breakfast skippers in the same category. Well, if you eat late at night, then you skip breakfast for next thing in the morning. Then they blame skipping breakfast for your problems, and the people that come along later say, well, if we just plug breakfast in there, we'll eliminate that. You can't do that, it doesn't work. It's not, it's not the right way to do it. It's a different topic, talking about late eaters. I don't wanna tackle that in a different podcast, but today I wanna to try to give you some, some positive advice on what you can do for breakfast. What do we need to have for breakfast? Well, we need to have something that's gonna give us some energy, something that can help us keep our blood sugar regulated for the rest of the day, and it'd be nice to put something in there that keeps us feeling full so we're not starting to snack uh, at 9, 9.30 in the morning. The Mayo Clinic says, Fiber should be a part of our diet. Their opinion is that women should get 21 to 25 grams of fiber per day and men should get 30 to 38 grams of fiber today. The role of fiber is to help foods move through our system better. Foods moving through our system better helps us to regulate our blood sugars, helps us to keep cholesterol from building up in our arteries. Fiber does a lot of very good things for us. It, it keeps our uh, digestion and elimination processes much more regular and much more even keeled. Everyone has probably heard about fiber. Now, how does it wash out when we want to start talking about breakfast? What things, when we're talking having breakfast choices, are, are fiber, is fiber involved in? Well, fruit is a much better fiber choice than juices are. The the pulp of fruit and the skin of the fruits that we eat give us that fiber. So fruits are very good choices for putting fiber in. Things like raspberries, apples and pears, as long as the skins are on them, and even plums. Cherries, grapefruits, all good choices. Lots of good fiber in those things. Now, if all you have for breakfast is some fruit, it's really not going to satisfy you for a very long period of time, and it's not doing a lot of other good things for you. Whole grains are a great breakfast choice as well. Things like oatmeal or bran. Now, there's a lot of whole grain cereals out there in the market, and most of those are probably pretty loaded with fiber. You can read the side of the box and see how much fiber is in there, and they're a good choice. Now, there's another one that has a lot of fiber in it, but we don't eat a lot of this for breakfast. Beans and the legumes, very high in fiber, very good choices, but I've never talked to somebody that eats beans for breakfast, uh, at least not in today's society. They would be a good choice. They would definitely satisfy the fiber content. We'd also like to choose foods that aren't just high in fiber, but foods that have a low glycemic index. Foods that when we eat them will not make our blood sugar levels go higher because doing that makes our insulin requirement higher, which makes our pancreas have to work harder. If we can make our life easier for our pancreas, 
we'll be putting less stress on it and in, in theory, maybe lowering our risk of contracting type 2 diabetes someplace down the road. Low glycemic index foods. At the top of that list would be any kinds of beans or nuts. So perhaps peanut butter or almond butter. Those are great choices for low glycemic index foods. Now, we have to make sure that you're not allergic to those things. Milks and yogurts also do very well as far as being on the low end of the glycemic index scale. Yogurt, a good choice. Uh, if you want to start putting those two together, glycemic index and fiber, how about yogurt with nuts and fruit? That's a great, great sounding breakfast. It really is. It's, it's going to take care of a lot of this stuff that we've talked about so far. You could also have vegetables for breakfast. They're very low glycemic index, but I don't see a lot of people eating carrots and celery and salads for breakfast. Um, eggs are also a great choice because they're very low in glycemic index. In fact, if you eat the egg, egg whites only, essential glycemic index for them is zero because they're all protein. They're not going to really have any impact at all on your blood sugar. So they are a great choice. What if we took eggs, put them in an omelet, and we put some vegetables in that omelet? Or we had a hard-boiled egg. Or we took an egg and some cheese and some vegetables and put it in a whole wheat wrap and made some type of a breakfast burrito. We'd be putting fiber, glycemic index, and we'd be getting some protein in there. The benefit of protein is that it digests more slowly in our body, and because it doesn't make us feel as empty quite as quickly, we're not as likely to begin snacking quite as soon afterwards. If we can put fiber, low glycemic index foods, and some protein into our breakfast, we will be making a good food choice, which sets us up for the rest of the day. We'll be helping to regulate our blood sugar for the rest of the day. So let's start off with a great breakfast. The last thing that I want to say is that most of the convenient type breakfast foods are really not good choices. If you read the labels on a lot of the things that people grab on their way out the door, you'll find things that are very low in fiber, things that are very high in their glycemic index, and things that are very high in fat. Now, I love my donuts, but they're really a bad choice for breakfast. If you're going to eat a donut every now and then for breakfast throughout the course of the week, it's not a problem. But if you eat a donut on a regular basis, you're really not taking any steps toward better health now.